0: Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Before we get started, I, I just—I've heard a few things from a few people today about what's going on with you and in, in these Wednesday nights, and uh, kind of being challenged in your faith and whatever. And does anybody want to give a testimony or something? We'll have an open mic night if something's going on. Got a good revelation? Somewhere you're being challenged? Want to testify? A little testimony? Going once? (laughs) Going twice? Sold to Mr. Missouri. All
1: right.
0: Get your glasses out.
1: Yes. screen's broken. Wednesday night, good night. And um, Robert started preaching on this. And before I came to that service that night, Lord convicted me that I needed to look at my notes more often because I take notes, all kinds of notes, and said that I needed to look at them more from Sunday's from Wednesday's whatever. Well that just so happened he started preaching on this healing on that Wednesday night. And so I went back and I uh, I uh, read the chapters Luke and Mark and, and um I asked the Lord about what what I, where is my doubt and unbelief show me my doubt and unbelief and he says you really won't, don't believe that I will show you all of your doubt and unbelief. <laughs> and I thought, well, okay, and so then I, I said, well, oh, Lord, I said, forgive me of, 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 of you know, of, of the doubt and the unbelief, and He says, you really don't believe? I'll forgive you completely for your doubt and unbelief, and that was that was hard. So I went to hunting and I and I, I went to Mark and I, I found the, the parable of the. Man with the son with the demons, and I said, "Help my unbelief." And I said, "That's my starting place." And so that he led me to a starting place, and um, so I've been going going on from there. And and Robert had a a, a a word that said, "What you know? What are we? What are we looking at? Are we looking at? Are we paying attention to what we see? Are we paying attention to what God's promises are?" Oh my goodness! And it's uh, Sunday. I had a it just seemed like a word that one of the people that's in the bucket was discouraged, and said didn't know whether to do this or didn't know whether to do that. There's the dilemma, and the Lord just said that's not the dilemma. The dilemma is where where's your eye? And it just showed me said that here here we are. Here is the problem whether it's sickness whatever and there's god we're here some between We're between here and and if we're looking this way and he's back over here you know you kind of got a little bit of side out of here but you need to turn and look that way because that stuff is as far from him as the east is from the west and our focus is it is just impressed on me that our fo- that that just sealed I mean that our focus was that we need to see the promises we need to believe the promises. That's end of story, and it was just a it's it's been a good journey for me so far. Amen.
0: You know, um, God will do anything in the world for you if you'll ask Him. Uh, I kind of hate to tell this testimony with my son sitting in the back, but uh, I uh, I had, had a, I needed to use I was going to I was gonna I was at some point gonna need to use a trailer that is mine. And so I went out there to look at it because I was gonna need to hook up to it and 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 use it. And I looked in the back of it and there was some plywood and stuff. And I was like, oh man, I don't wanna I don't wanna move that. I don't have to unload that. You know, it's gonna be heavy and might hurt my back and I gotta crawl up in this trailer and get this stuff out. And so then I looked down, the tire was flat. And uh I said, man, I don't wanna mess with that flat tire. And so I stopped right there and I prayed. I said, I said, Jesus, I don't want to mess with this, but you know I gotta have this trailer at some point. I thought someday this week, I thought it was gonna be earlier in the week. I said, somebody's gonna call me, I gotta go do this deal. I need that trailer. But I don't wanna mess with that. I'm busy and got other things that don't wanna mess with that thing. So can you take care of it? And I fully well expected him to take care of it. So then Tuesday comes and I don't get a phone call that I've got to use the trailer. So I just said, Well, Lord, you know, one more day. I said, I don't know, you know, maybe tomorrow, maybe, you know, Wednesday. And so uh, today, I didn't get the phone call, didn't have to use the trailer, but it's still sitting over there. And so this afternoon, one of the workers that works for my son comes running up there and says, Hey, Joseph needs to use that trailer. He says, this, Does the lights, everything work on it? And I said, I said, Yeah, lights work on it. And so he just about shut the door, and I said, Hey, uh, I said, there's, some plywood in the back of it. And I don't know whose it is or whatever, but you're going to have to get that stuff out before you can use it. He said, okay, where do you want me to put it? And I said, I'll oh, just stack it over there in the barn. And then he just about shut the door and I said, oh, and by the way, I said, uh, thing's got a flat tire on it. <laughs> I said, it may just need air, but I said, where are you going? He said, oh, I got to go. I said, thing might go flat on it. I said, pull over and put some air in it and look at it. So he pulled it over there and I looked at it and I said, I don't know. If I was you, I'd take it down there. to the shop get that thing fixed charge it to my son <laughs> I said man God what a good deal you did man I didn't have to touch that thing all got fixed I didn't even have to pay for the flag getting fixed you know I just waited and still hadn't had to use the trailer so I'm like all right now God this is all right man thank you Jesus so, you know, I believe God for everything. You've got you to do that. You've got to stretch your faith. You've got to put your faith out there. Believing for no matter what it is and see God move because, you know, hey, then the next time, if it's a little bigger, whatever, it's not going to throw you off base. You say, hey, God, if you could do that little thing, you can do this other thing. Amen? And so, you know, you should always be expecting miracles. You should always be expecting stuff. And so, you know, when I, when I talk to some of the others of you, know, you know, you told me a good thing today that you being challenged. In your belief, and we all are, and that's what this is Wednesday nights are about. We're challenging ourselves in our belief because we're going to get to the point to where we truly believe the word of God is true. Now I want to show you a few things tonight. Go uh, uh, to uh, let's start in uh, let's start in in um, hmm. let's start in Matthew 16, 16. Matthew sixteen sixteen get your bibles out well i just had my phone so i forgot no don't do that what are you doing where are my electronics going crazy okay matthew 16 16 okay so jesus they were there all the disciples were asking or the jesus is asking the disciples who are the people saying that i am okay and so Simon Peter answered and said, you are Christ, the son of the living God. That was uh, a divine revelation. Everybody else was saying, you know, it was Elijah, you're a prophet, whatever. But Peter said that he knew who he was. Go to the next verse there. And Jesus answered and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. So he had a revelation. All right. A revelational faith come into his heart that he knew that Jesus was the Son of God. He wasn't just a man. He wasn't just Okay, when you have a revelational faith come into you, then nothing else matters than what you see, right? When it's a revelation to you, it may not make sense. It may not... You may not understand it. It's not wrestling with it in your head. Something in your heart's clicked and you said, that's it. You just know it. You know it's to be true. That's the place where we have to get to in our faith, in our, in our walk with Jesus. We have to get to this place of revelational faith. Everybody say revelational faith. You've got to get to this place. Okay, so then he goes on and he says, Also I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Now I can tell you all good people that I've read a lot of books in life. I've read hundreds of books. And I have read, I don't know, numerous books on binding and loosing from different authors and this and that and the other, and all all this stuff. And after it's all over with you, the conclusion I finally came to is you're not going to get nothing moving either on heaven or earth if you don't have any faith, right? It doesn't, there is no secret word. There is no, we always are trying to find that McDonald's Christianity where you just pull up to the window and just get what your order is and then leave. We don't, we don't, we want it to be, we want to have a magic word, Right? We just want to have a magic word, say the magic word, and it happens. But the truth is, look what he says here. He tells him, he says, look, whatever you bind on earth, you'll be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, it will be loose in heaven. But who's going to do any binding and loosening unless you had some faith to believe it was going to happen? So the the, the, the key to this whole thing is revelational faith, right? Now go over to uh, Luke. No, don't go to Luke. Go to, yeah, Luke 22, 31. My wife is preaching this to me coming to church, and I thought, well, it's so good, I just preach it too. Luke twenty two thirty one. It says, now here, here, you know, Jesus is telling him he's going to die, and Peter jumps up and says, "What are you talking about? Jennifer? You know this? Well, you don't know what you're talking about." And so then it says in thirty one, the Lord said, "Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat." I mean, none of that sounds good, right? when the devil is personally asking to like run you through the ringer sift you like wheat but look what he says I have prayed that you have the super duper deluxe anointing that it falls upon you <laughs> here's Jesus saying I've I've been talking to the devil personally about you and he wants to just like you know those old those old ringers, you know, that you just cranked and ran that rag through? He said, I want to, he wants to crank you through that thing. Suck this, smush you flat, bruise you from one end to the other. He wants to sift you like wheat. He wants to pull you out the other end. But Jesus didn't say it. And So I gave, I told Michael and Gabriel to watch out for you. Or I've given you this secret word. No, he says, I have prayed for you that your faith, should not fail. So Jesus is, I mean, come on, Jesus is not going to let the devil eat Peter when he said, I'm going to build my church on you, right? Right? I mean, wouldn't you have said, uh, can I have the magic sword, the magic wand, the something, Lord? I mean, the devil's after me, personally. It's not just a demon or an imp, it's just the above himself, it's gonna run me through the ringer? Can't you give me something that's more? <sighs> and so this is where this is where I think uh, you know I don't I don't know if anybody thinks this, but I think somebody might think this that like my preaching and the where I'm taking y'all could not be it kind of be dull, not exciting, because I'm not believing God for gold dust, for gold teeth fillings, for you know. Uh, everybody to get slain in the church and flop around like a fish. I'm trying to say the thing that if Jesus said that that's the most important thing that Peter could have is faith to defeat Beelzebub himself... Then all of us have to challenge ourselves in what we're believing and get rid of the false doctrines, get rid of the the idols and the the, the you know the, the 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 goblins and the whatever and the fears and the everything else, and get rid of that and get into true faith because faith is what is going to bind everything on earth and loose everything in heaven. Faith is what's going to defeat the devil personally himself. Hello, and so it, right now it may not be real flashy. Because we're learning. But when that day kicks off, and we all, just give me two or three of y'all, that just get so turned on by faith that you just know that what Jesus said he'd do, he'd do, and you know what he said he'd do, so you can do it. I'm telling you what, man, revival's here. I mean, I mean, it. it there's nothing can stop you. All are just being here dragging people up. We won't have time doing any preaching, nothing else. it just be people just flying in here and getting healed and just everything in the world taking place because... It's just going to be chaos. You'd be walking down the street. Oh, yeah, pastor, forgot to stay. Dad was in the cafe, drank me a cup of coffee, ate me a hamburger, and I was walking out. My shadow fell upon this old boy, and he just got healed right there. Hello? Okay. So, with that being said, let me give you something to sink your teeth into. All right? (laughs) If you're at the place that... You can still be talked out of what's yours, then you don't really believe it, right? I was at a, actually it was the Hunter's Roundup back in November, whenever, and I parked my truck, and all the trucks, everybody had parked and backed up and backed into their parking space, and then I went and parked mine, just like that, and then when I got out to walk to my truck, I actually walked up to a truck, and it wasn't mine but everybody has the same kind of truck there, and my white truck looked like everybody else's white truck, and I actually walked up to the front, and not until I looked down, the bumper was different, did I realize it wasn't my truck. And it was kind of funny, because I had this feeling inside of me, isn't that funny? I didn't even know what my, it was my truck. I mean, I was going to argue with somebody, this is my truck, right? And then, but then when I looked at it, I could be easily talking out of, it wasn't my truck. Well, if the devil can talk you out of what you think is yours, if you say, no, no, Jesus, Jesus bought my healing, but the devil can come in some other way and talk you out of it, then you didn't really believe it. <clears throat> That's the point I'm trying to make, all right? So if you don't really believe who you are in Christ, that you are the redeemed of the Lord, that you are righteous by his blood, and you're still looking at yourself, yeah, and say, Well, yeah, I know I'm righteous. I mean, I know I'm gonna go to heaven and when I die, but you know, I acted ugly the other day, you know, and I'm still not there, and I'm still not gonna get that. The devil will use it against you. The devil will take that and he'll twist it around and he'll turn it around and say, Well, why would God heal you? You know, you know, you know that you're just, you know, you're not right. You still got some crazy in you, and you know, and 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 he'll start saying that. Your, your works are determining your righteousness. Because folks, I going to tell you right now, every one of you sitting here tonight, everybody that listens to this tape, you are either born again, washed in the blood of Jesus because you have confessed him as the Lord and Savior of your life, and you believe he's the Son of God, and his blood has washed you, and you are righteous by his blood. Now, you not may not all, we're all not sanctified. But you're righteous in God's eyes. Your debt has been cleaned, and nothing that you do is going to make you more righteous. But if you start taking and letting the devil get place in you, that, well, you know, I didn't read enough, or I didn't pray enough, or I didn't... Hold my mouth right when I was doing it, or if I'd have put beans on the floor and knelt on them so it really hurt, and then lit me some candles and had me some incense going, you know, then maybe God would have heard my prayer. You know, if you're if you, if the devil can talk you out of it, he will. But if he can't talk you out of it, then you have revelational faith and it's yours, and it can't be stolen from you. You might forget it, and after the Holy Spirit has to remind you, and he said, "Oh wait a minute, that's right." but it's yours. You know it's yours, okay? So I want to show you something tonight about the atonement, what Jesus bought for you, okay? So I want you to go, and I want to look here. Let's just start in Luke chapter 4, verse 16. Luke four sixteen says, so he came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and his, as his custom was, and he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, he gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and all the eyes of them in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, today, everybody see it says today? so that today was 2,000 years ago, plus, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That word fulfilled doesn't just mean like you filled it up. It means it was like completed, like brought to pass, ended, over with, not up for discussion anymore, fulfilled. He said that scripture is fulfilled in your ears today, that this is the acceptable year of the Lord, that the that all the oppressed are going to flee. It's, I'm proclaiming the acceptable year of the Lord. All right? He said this is the year. The acceptable year of the Lord was a year of jubilee. Okay? Now, go to Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. It said, Now when evening had come, they brought unto him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word. Huh. Isn't that interesting? Cast out the spirits with a word. I guess word's pretty powerful, huh? And he healed all who were sick, that, they might be, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore of our sicknesses. Now, that's a quote from Isaiah 53, where it talks about what the Messiah was going to do, right? Okay, when Matthew wrote his gospel, he wrote his gospel to the Jewish people. So Matthew put this in there, wrote it in there, because he knew that the Jewish people were wondering, was Jesus the Messiah? The Messiah was going to be the one who was anointed, the one that was fulfilling Luke 4, which Jesus just said he did fulfill it, all right? And that it was going to be the atonement, the Messiah was going to make the atonement for all of the world, all right? Matthew says that's who Jesus is because of what he did. Are you with me? All right. Now go way back in the Old Testament to Leviticus chapter 25. Genesis, Exodus, and then Leviticus. Some people don't like Leviticus. I love the book of Leviticus. I like all the detail and all the things in it. Leviticus 25. I'll start reading verse 1. I'm going to read a little bit here, so y'all just bear with me. Now the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, Now who said this? We're talking Papa, right? All right. Moses didn't make this up. This was God speaking to Moses and giving this commandment. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land which I give you, the land you shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. Six years you shall sow your fields, and six years you shall prune your vineyards and gather your fruits. But in the seventh year, there should be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land. A Sabbath to the Lord, you shall neither sow your field nor prune your vineyard. What grows on its own, according to your harvest, shall not reap nor gather the grapes of your untended vines, for it is a year of rest for the land. And the Sabbath produces of the produce, and the Sabbath produce of the land shall be food for you, for you, you your male and female servant, your hired man. And the stranger who dwells with you for your livestock and the beasts that are in your land. All this produce shall be for food and you shall count seven Sabbaths of years for yourself, seven times seven, and the time of the seventh Sabbath of the year shall be unto you 49 years and you shall cause a trumpet of jubilee to sound on the 10th day of the seventh month on the day of atonement. You shall make the trump to sound throughout all your land and you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants, and you shall be a jubilee for you, and each one of you shall return to his possessions. Each of you shall return to his family. That fiftieth year shall be a jubilee to you. In it, you shall neither sow nor reap what rose in its own accord, nor gather the grapes of your unintended your untended vine, for it is jubilee. It is holy to you. You shall eat its produce from the field in the year of jubilee. Each of you shall return to his possessions. If you sell anything to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor's hand, you shall not oppress one another. According to the year, number of years of the Jubilee, you shall buy from your neighbor, and according to the number of years of crops, he shall tell you. Okay? So it goes on and on there, but that's enough. <clears throat> okay. So God said about this, this plan for Israel. Now you got to understand how it worked. When, when they went into the promised land, everybody was given by Lot property. Okay? So everybody got a Lot of So everybody had a parcel that was theirs given to them by God. Now God says, look, you don't own this. It's mine. But I'm going to let you live on it. I'm going to give it to you. So it's not really yours. He said, matter of fact, you can't even sell it past 50 years. So let's just say what happens is I got my parcel of property, and it's worth $1,000. And I say, oh, man, I need some money. I need some cash. I'm going to go do something else. Jimmy, you want to buy my piece of property? Well, Jimmy knows that in 50 years, it's going to come back to me. Don't make any difference. I sold it to him. Because you can't buy and sell land that's not yours. Because you're just the leaser of it. So Jimmy, right off the bat, being a businessman, said, "Whoa, whoa, 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 Robert, okay, uh, let's see. Let's, oh, we got 26 years left before the Jubilee. So the price then is set knowing that in 26 years I'm getting it back. Y'all following me here? So they calculated up because it was only if it was two years away, 46 years. Jimmy's, hey, man, that much, that's not worth much. You're going to get it back in a few years. I'll give you a hundred bucks and I'll farm it for a couple of years. Y'all with me? This was all thought in the Jewish mind. God had this all planned out. God did it. Everybody say, God did it. Wasn't Moses' plan? Wasn't anybody else's plan? He said, okay, now this is how it's going to work. You're going to, every seventh year is going to be a Sabbath. So you tend the land for six years. On the sixth year, I believe it was a little farther down. I just didn't read it all. In the sixth year, I'm going to cause it to produce three times more than it would normally produce. So you're going to, you're going to farm for six. Then you're going to get this bumper crop and you're going to take it and you're going to be smart with it and you're going to store what you need to store and you're going to do all this kind of stuff because the seventh year, everybody takes a vacation they're you know, working on the seventh year. A whole year, the land's going to rest and you're going to rest. Wow. Can you imagine that? Most of us just want two weeks. Get a year off. Land's going to rest and you're going to rest and you do it right. You're not going to run out of food because you're going to have a three-year supply because, see, once you started back planning on the eighth year, you weren't going to get it to the ninth, so you had to have three years. So then you were back on schedule, right? Then you're going to count those numbers of sevens, and then you're going to get to 49, and then you're going to have a year of jubilee. And then what's going to happen on the year of jubilee, everybody who got in debt or lost their property or whatever is going to come to this place That everything that they lost, they get redeemed. Are you all with me? All right. You just, you're there. You're about to eat your last morsel. Boom. It's the year of Jubilee. He said, but not till 10 days afterwards. Does everybody get their property back until the day of atonement? And on the day of atonement, he's going to step up and he's going to blow the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the ram's horn going out through there, then the redemption's through, it's all done, it's all covered, you go back over there into your house, onto your property, and it all gets to start back over for the next 50 years, okay? The only problem I can't find in here, because I've researched it, and I can't say I've just like done the greatest in-depth study, scholarly study of this, but... I can't ever find where Israel actually kept the Jubilee. They may have in the beginning, but you know what happened? After 50 years, everybody just got to be just a heathen. And when David came to get his part, his property back from me that he'd sold to me, I said, what are you talking about, man? I bought and paid for that. And after a while, everybody just kind of gave up and nobody did this. But you know that the Old Testament is a type and shadow of things to come. God's saying there was this day and this time when he was going to blow a trumpet and everybody got their redemption back. Well, a lot of scholars want to take this and say, oh, well, that's the day that the trump's blown and Jesus returns. And we enter into the, you know, the age of the dispensation of grace is over with and we enter into the millennial reign. And I say they're wrong. Because Jesus, then why did he stand up in Luke chapter 4 and say, today... This scripture is fulfilled in your ears. That I am going to be the atonement. The jubilee didn't start until the atonement took place. The moment things are made right with God, the trumpet sounded and everyone was redeemed. Are you following me? The day that Jesus rose from the dead, you know what took place after that? The gospel, Paul said, Romans 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of salvation for everyone who believes. At the moment of the resurrection of Jesus, the gospel started being heralded around the world as a trumpet being blown that anyone who believed in Jesus, that he was the son of God, you were Redeemed. You got your jubilee. Everything was restored to you. Are you following me here? Not necessarily as just in the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm. Restored from what? Think about this for a second. What was ever mankind getting his redemption and his restoration From where? Where did it start? Well, Galatians 3.13 tells us that every one of us has been redeemed from the curse of the law. So we've been redeemed from the curse. So where'd the curse start? Way back over here in the garden. When everybody used to be walking around fellowshipping with God, just walking with God in the cool of the day with his arm around him saying, hey Adam, how's it going? Hey, what's going on? So the moment that the Trump started being heralded, it was, wait a minute, man has been redeemed from their sin, their brokenness with God. Now, let me stop here for just a minute, and y'all can help me get back on track here in just a minute, but I got to say something about this. So many times when we talk, when we say the word sin, the imagery that goes into our mind when we say that word sin, it becomes an act that we did y'all with me? That's the image. We did something so, oh, I sinned. But the truth of the matter is, if I've been redeemed from the curse, I've been redeemed from sin, that means I've, I'm in a righteous state with God. So that's not really the proper word to be using. Think about this for a minute. I've used this example of so many times, but I want to say it again because it's the best one. If there's no speed limit, the cop cannot stop you and give you a ticket if you're speeding because how could you be speeding if there's no speed limit? So how could you become unrighteous with God if you've been made righteous with God? It's not this jumping in and jumping out and jumping in and jumping out. One moment you're righteous, one moment you're not. You're either righteous or you're not. So if the trumpet heralded and said anyone who believes in Jesus can be saved... From the curse, what was coming on mankind out of the garden, then the trumpet got heralded and you believed the sound, then you were moved over and translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, so therefore you're righteous. In the Greek, the word is called peripatoma. It means a side slip. It means you side slipped. You weren't on steady ground. You you're, You slipped. Didn't mean you fell back into original sin. It means you side-slipped, you I doubt that's the way you say that word. Probably got a little South Texas on it there. Right? My point being is if if Jesus said, I fulfilled the year of Jubilee, I fulfilled all of this, and and then he arose from the dead, and that was the trumpet of the gospel being sounded, that you were redeemed and everything that you'd lost was back to you. The only thing I really care about is my relationship with God. And now my relationship with God can't be broken because of the blood of Jesus. Well, then I'm in a right relationship with God. Therefore, the devil can't steal from me. So before the fall, was no sickness God didn't walk in the garden one day and say Adam what's wrong oh, I kind of got a cold my kidney seems to be acting up right I mean that didn't happen he was in the garden with God there was no sickness he was in the garden <sighs> sickness came as a result of the curse on the earth well if I've been redeemed from the curse well that means in my position in life I've been redeemed from the right of sickness having anything to be able to do with me. But we say, well, I hear what you're saying, and in theory, I believe it. But in practice, you know, I'm sick. Okay, the year of Jubilee sounds, Old Testament, trumpets blown. It's heralded out. It's a year of redemption. And what happens to oh, so-and-so that either didn't hear the trumpet wasn't keeping count of the years. Got so discouraged and so depressed, crawled in a cave somewhere. He was weeping because he lost his property, but he never heard the trumpet. What about, what about the person that just said, "Oh, I mean, it's yours. I sold it to you, and that's just the way it is. and It's just bad luck." And I mean, I should have, I should have managed my property better, and I didn't, and. And then the old boy that's got his property says, well, you know, I mean, that's really right. I mean, you know, you didn't really do a very good job with it, and I did a whole lot better than you did, and, you know, and starts talking trash to him. See, the devil gets in and he tries to talk you out of what's yours. I mean, if it was me, and I, I knew it was mine, I would be at the front gate with my ear up, waiting, horn blows, Hey, buddy, get out. Right? I mean, if that's the law God said it about. I'm not being unrighteous. I'm not being... See, but we get into that. Oh, well, you know. I had a guy tell me, he's a good friend of mine. Not anybody from around here. But a a guy I've known for a long time. And and I'll say, we'll be talking about something and I'll say, well, I'll pray about that. And he's like, it's all weird. And he's like, well, you know, if you want to. But... So he said, I just save my prayers, you know, for just big things. I'm not, I'm not going to bother the Lord with, you know, things like that. I'm like, well, God wants to bless me with everything, so I don't care what it is. But it's like you only have like three get-out-of-jail-free cards, so <laughs> I don't think this one's big enough to use one on. This is his mentality. This is the way he was raised. So he's easily, I could say, oh, you can't pray about that. And he'd say, oh, yeah, I thought that's right. I would just put her down. Don't even go there. He'd be easily talked out of it, Right. And I'm praying about everything. But that's what the devil does. He comes in and he gets in there and he influences and says, You haven't been redeemed. That property's not yours. That's not. that I can guarantee you, if they did the year of Jubilee, there was somebody who figured out, you know what? Hmm. If I go ahead and plant on that seventh year, then I'll be getting a bumper fresh crop. And then I'll have more to sell when it comes to time. And I'm going to make more money and I'm going to get ahead. Take off a whole year. Might as well go to Egypt and work. Right? Rather than believing the promises of God are true. Because God said, I want to bless you. I want to give you a bumper crop. You'll never lack a bit and get a year off. Okay, let me challenge you. Some of you would probably jump at this, and others of you are going to say, what? I mean, it's just takes like somebody, oh, I'll just pick on Brandy over there. I mean, if if there she is. She goes to work, great job as a nurse, taking care of babies and doing all these things, and all of a sudden somebody says, okay, Brandy, God told me to tell you, you can take off a year and you'll still be okay. Being a mom and working and finances and this and that and the other, your mind's going to go crazy. You're automatically going to start to think, well, wait a minute, you know, I mean, I've got payments and I've got to make payments and we've got car payment and this and that, you know, I can't take off a year. How can I just not work a year? I can't do a whole year. I go off and we're going to have to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. Am I right? I mean, if, you're, if you are if you, like most of us, that's what you would be saying. You'd be trying to figure out, how am I going to make this happen? How can I do this? And how can I? Immediately your mind would go there and the devil would just have a field day with you. He would just keep throwing stuff and poking stuff at you and say, oh, yeah, but you forgot about this. And even if somebody said, "Okay, I'll make it easy for you. I'll give you your full year's salary up front." Well, then you're gonna think, "Well, wait a minute. If I don't work for a year, then I'm gonna probably lose my job, and then, then, after that, money's gone. Then I'm gonna to have to get back." You see what I'm saying? The devil's gonna work it some way. He's gonna twist it and turn it on you some way because we're so geared to work's mentality. We're so geared that we have to earn everything. We're so geared to believe that you know we've got to help God along poor baby can't get it done himself and we got to help him. That's the way we do it. And the devil knows how to play our tune and get us to believe in and get us going down the wrong road because he just manipulates us by fear. Instead of us being full of faith, saying, Lord, this is what you said. This is what your word says. And I'm going to walk in it and believe it because I have been redeemed. It's mine. That property belongs to me. The right of health belongs to me because you bought and paid for it on the cross. You were the atonement. And the year of Jubilee has been sounded. And it's mine. And that's my redemption. And I'm going to walk in it. But we we'll let the devil begin to get in and manipulate us. His greatest tactic is just manipulation. Getting in there and sowing seeds in our, our thinking till we give up on the promise and don't go back and claim what's ours. And tonight I'm telling you, throughout the scriptures, and I could go on and go on and go on and go on and show you where Jesus is, the atonement, Jesus fulfilled the year of jubilee, the trumpet that's being sounded is the gospel. Now let me show you one last scripture. Go to Romans chapter 10. We use this scripture all the time when we're ministering to people about making Jesus Lord and Savior of their life. But I want you just to look at Romans chapter 10. Let's start in verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, the gospel. The word of faith that's in your Heart, not in your head, the word that's in your heart. It's really near you because it's in your mouth, right? Go to the nine, please. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God is raising from the dead, you will be saved. But See, we use it for just meaning salvation as far as the first time a person commits their life to Christ. <laughs> Put put it in text to what I'm saying tonight. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God had raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the wrath. Saved from safe from the curse. Saved from everything that came at the fall in the garden. But you got to do something. You got to confess it with your mouth. Why is it coming? Why do you confess it with your mouth? Because it's what you believe in your heart. It's the word of faith being loosed into your realm and your world. What are you confessing? That he's the atonement. That he's the redemption. He's paid for it. Go to 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There's no no hocus pocus, no voodoo in that. The heart believing unto righteousness. You got to understand, when Paul was saying this, this was so radical. We 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 know it almost like John 3:16 because we use it all the time for people giving the life of Christ. But the truth of the matter is this is so radical because the Pharisees and Sadducees were screaming, "This can't be. You've got to do it by works." If you can't read the Bible forwards and backwards and you can't keep all the 3000 commandments and you can't do this. And if you didn't make the sacrifice and if you didn't do that, well, then you cannot be righteous with God. God is God. We can't even speak his name. He is so holy and you think you can like you are. You didn't do nothing. And Paul said, no, 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 you missed it. The trumpet has been sounded the trumpet has gone out over the land that Jesus is the atonement. He is Lord. And everyone can return to their original state and relationship with God because he has redeemed it. It is the year of Jubilee. Go to 11. For what does the scripture say? Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. 12. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same is Lord over all, is rich to all who call upon him. 13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, folks, we don't understand that, what that means to everything that you lost to be brought back to you. And part of what humanity has lost is walking in divine health. And it's yours. And what I'm saying to you tonight is, I mean, you got to go knocking on some doors and saying, hey, wait a minute, sickness, you can't live in this house. This house belongs to me and it's been redeemed to the Lord. You don't have any right here. But it's got to be by revelational faith. Always remember Smith Wigglesworth, in one of the books that I I read uh, of him years ago, and uh, he said he was at a bus stop, and he was a, you know, if you... If you've ever read any of Smith Wigglesworth books, you know you know he was a he was a plumber, and he's a very rough man, and got saved, and God brought him out into great ministry. And anyway, he said he was at a bus stop one day, and he was English, and he's standing at the bus stop and waiting for the bus, and this woman comes up, said she was a rather large woman, and she came up, and this little dog followed her. And she turned to the dog. I don't remember what the dog's name was that she called. And she said to the dog, "You know, go home." And the dog just stood there, ha, ha you know, didn't move. And he's observing this whole thing. And so she said, "Go home." And the dog just looked up, you know, didn't move. And it said, "Finally, the lady jumped up. You go home." And she stomped her feet and ran at that little dog. Little dog, just took off. And when he saw it, the revelation hit him, he says, my Lord, I see what's going on. You know, everybody's like, what is going on with this guy, you know? And he just had a revelation of speaking the word of God and taking your authority in who you are in Christ and standing your ground and sending that devil running. But it's got to be revelational faith. It can't be what you see in your head. You can't go home and say, well, Pastor Robert now says you have to leave my house. I mean, that's not very convincing. If you don't leave, I want to get him to come out here. You know, see what I'm saying? That's it. It's just not gonna. It's not gonna cut it much. I go to Living Waters Church. They'll have a prayer meeting if you don't leave. No, it has to be revelational from you. It's yours. You walk outside and you see a thief stealing your car, and you're gonna say, "What are you doing?" Oh, you want to steal my car? Well, I mean, I do like it, and I really need to go home, but. Yeah, I mean, of course not. Then why do we let the thief steal from us when we've been redeemed and the words rightfully ours? Why do we let the enemy come into a place that he has no right to be? And that's where we have to start to be like, Jesus said to Peter, I'm going to pray for you that your faith's not going to fail because that's what's going to get you through, is your faith. And matter of fact, that faith's going to be so strong, whatever you bind on earth will be bound, or whatever you loose on or whatever you loose in heaven will be loose. It doesn't make no difference. Whatever you say is going to happen, because whatsoever you confess out of your mouth, because the Word's near you, and it's in your heart, so if you get it coming out of your mouth, you're going to see the salvation of God. So again, we end up tonight having to look into our hearts and see where are we compromising? Where are we not living in what we've been redeemed from? And then once you start to let the Holy Spirit open your understanding to what you've lost, what's not yours, what's been stolen from you, your joy, your peace, your health, your sanity, then you can start to claim it back. And then your relationship starts with the Lord like, you know, where do we go from here? But if you don't know what's been stolen from you, you're just going to give it up and just let the devil take it. One more story. I'd have to go back and make sure I'm right before y'all um, you know, go out and preach this. You can go probably Google it. It was one of the old actors on Hee Haw, and I think it was Grandpa Jones. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it was Grandpa Jones that he died as a pauper and he had a check that was worth a huge amount of money in a frame on a wall because somebody had given it to me and he he didn't really know what it was or whatever and never cashed it. Did y'all see the new one? Here's one more recent of the guy on the Antiques Roadshow with the watch. $700,000 watch paid... How much? $350? 350 350 bucks is what he paid for it. Kept it and then he took it to the antiques roadshow to see if it's worth anything. It's worth seven hundred thousand. Passed out. Just <laughs> fell out on the ground. I would have too. Boy, I would have hit the ground hard. <laughs> the point is, see, he had something and he didn't think it didn't know what its value was. Do we know what the value of our faith is? Of what Jesus has given us, and we're always saying, "Lord, can you do this for me?" When He said, "I already did it for you." It's it's in. Get your mouth going. Get your heart going. Where's your revelational faith in what I did? Man, run the devil out of your house. Go back and take the, what's rightfully yours. The year of Jubilee's been blown. The horn's been blown. The ram's horn's been gone. It's all yours. Go get it by faith. Because I know my Jesus. And if there was a secret wor- word or there was something that, you know, could be used, he would have certainly told Peter, oh, Don't worry, the devil won't get you out. You know, I gave you the magic pixie dust throw it on him when he comes around. It'll be the end of him. Right? He said, I just pray for your faith's not going to fail. Because it's the most powerful thing I could give you. I mean, that's what he said. That's the most powerful thing that I can give you. is your faith. Because you can always carry it around with you. No matter where you are, you always got it. Years ago, I was on an airplane. i never forget this. I was, we're getting ready to land in San Antonio. Plane was coming down. Plane was coming down. Plane was coming down. Just about to touch all the wheels down. And all of a sudden, man, that pilot just threw the coals of that thing and just pulled the nose of that thing up. And I mean, we were just sat back in the seats. And the woman beside me just screamed bloody murder. Grabbed my arm. Went to just locked hold of me in a mm. death grip. Screaming, oh, we're going to die. We're going to die. And I just looked at her as that plane's going up. And I said, man, we're not going to die. And she began to calm down and we went up and plane circled and got ready to come back down in for a landing. And she, we got on the ground and she looked at me and said, how did you know we're not going to die today? And I said, we're not dying today because I ain't dying in an airplane crash. I mean, it's just that simple. I know I'm not going to die in an airplane crash. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm a born-again Christian. I, I believe in Jesus. And she said, well, I'm a Christian too, but I thought we were going to die. <laughs> and I said, well, ma'am. You need to go look at your promises. You ain't dying in no plane crash. Ridiculous. Come to find out a plane hadn't gotten off the run, the tarmac, you know, his tail was still there and he had to go over. So what do we do? In those situations in life, we tell the devil to get out. We hold our faith because it's the greatest thing we got. No matter where you are, you got it. Amen? Amen? So look at the person beside you and say, you got it. Praise God. Well, let's take up our offering. Do y'all know that the good hand of God was upon you? And that you're blessed, blessed, blessed? Can't be cursed. It's not in your agenda. Amen. Well, put your hand in our offering. Let's just get some more blessing going here. Lord, I describe these most blessed people on the face of the earth. They are blessed in everything they do. They're blessed in everything they put their hands to because, Lord, that's our promise. You are El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, the Lord, the one who takes care of us in every situation. And so, Lord, I just declare these folks are blessed, and, and, and Lord, they just can't help it. And people want to bless them, and I declare they can't be cursed. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.